PulseCast is written and produced by students at SUNY New Pulse. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of SUNY New Pulse. Welcome to PulseCast, an original student-produced podcast from the campus of SUNY New Pulse. This is season one, covering everything from food to folklore. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we've enjoyed creating. Subscribe for new episodes and topics every semester. It was the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. The sun was blistering and there were very few clouds in the sky. There was a buzz of excitement as we walked through Pine Bush, New York, a hamlet with an infamous reputation. Welcome to Folklore on PulseCast. In this episode, we visited the Pine Bush, New York annual Alien Festival to dive into the weird and the wonderful. Posters of little green men dotted the fair, and none of us would have been surprised to be zapped away by some sort of craft. Well, maybe Jacob would have been. He's a physics and astronomy major, and you know how those cats are. All right, before we continue, I feel like it's important for us to introduce ourselves. I'm Gage. And I'm Jack. And I'm Mary. And we went to the annual UFO fair in Pinebush to see if we could add anything new to the paranormal story. Oh yeah, and our friend Jacob also came along for the ride, but he spent the majority of the time arguing with amateur astronomers. Mary, can you give us some of the history behind Pinebush? So as you mentioned, Pinebush is a small hamlet in the town of Crawford in the northern part of Orange County. It was founded during the late 1800s, and similarly to other areas of New York, it has a penchant for supernatural folklore. While Pinebush has noted UFO sightings since the 1960s, it was the 1980s that brought about the slew of encounters that made the town famous today. During this time period, locals would speak of their experiences in hushed whispers out of fear of embarrassment or disbelief. This all changed, however, with the release of UFO researcher Ellen Crystal's book, Silent Invasion, Shocking Discoveries by a UFO Researcher in 1991. While the book wasn't popular on a grand scale, it still gained the attention of enough local talk shows and newspapers to make a splash in the area. Soon after this, residents began to be more open to the discussion of UFOs, and the area notably became a known destination for sightings. As the popularity of the sightings grew, UFO hunting, or skywatching, became a common occurrence. This consisted of groups of people gathering together at popular spots to watch the night sky with binoculars or telescopes, trying to spot any type of activity. It became such a local phenomenon that outlets such as the Poughkeepsie Journal and the Times-Herald-Record began to write stories about the townspeople and their experiences. These experiences have a pretty wide range, by the way, spanning from some residents reporting strange objects and lights in the sky all the way to physical abductions, so we're really getting an influx of all types of stories here. And the sightings are still going strong. From the years 2008 to 2018, there are reported 2,500 UFO sightings from locals or visitors to the area. After years of fanfare and attention, Pinebush eventually capitalized. They opened a local diner named the Cup and Saucer, and most importantly, began the UFO Fair in 2010. This fair brings paranormal authors, investigators, and just plain enthusiasts from across the country to celebrate all that's weird and wonderful. And I think that's what brings us here today. Okay, so personally, I eat this stuff up. Let's start by saying the fair was great. It was a space for different life forms to walk around freely. 
a strange man in a space blanket zipped around on a Segway and wouldn't stop for anybody's pictures. Parents pushed strollers containing small creatures with large heads and big eyes in plain view of agents from who knows where. Booths lined the street, some selling merchandise with others still offering information on the unexplained. We got to talk to Klingon Jim Yeager, who sold t-shirts and had a podcast of his own called Talking Trek. Mary asked him if he had any UFO encounters of his own, and here's what he had to say. York and Scotia Glenville, and uh, 1984, 85, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, we were out on a nice hot summer night, we were playing kickball. You remember, did you ever? I remember. Okay, and we used to use the manhole covers used to be the bases way back when we used to have street lights and everything else. Anyways. So we rolled the ball, the kid kicked it, it went up in the air, and everybody was just standing there, just staring blindly up into the air. The youngest kid that was with us stared up, he started screaming, and we all turned around, there was a big sphere about 20 feet above the telephone pole. It was as green as that alien, and it appeared to be spinning around because there was white sparks coming off the bottom of it, but it didn't make a sound. And when Johnny screamed, by the time our parents came out of the house, this thing is a boom, and it was gone, and the treetops were just waving, and it was gone so um, I think it was a UFO I don't know who was flying it but it wasn't an airplane yeah. it wasn't a blimp it wasn't a weather balloon it was something I've never seen before and have never seen again since so yeah after Jack and I talked with Jim we were herded around the big tent by his wife and got to interview a slew of podcasters and investigators we then got to speak to John Lombardo the chief investigator for the mutual UFO network in New York State the mutual UFO network or MUFON is an organization that investigates UFO sightings all over the world. And I'll let Mr. Lombardo take it from here. Well, we've been around a long time. Uh, we used to be the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization and the Midwest UFO uh, group, and then it became Mutual UFO Network. Uh, basically, it's civilians that are trained. Uh, to investigate sightings that are submitted by the general public. So how many, about like a year do you guys get? Oh my, huh. thousands. Okay. Thousands. Is there any areas in the country that are more like concentrated than others, or does it come from everywhere? At this point, it was clear there were common themes of independence and government distrust, and that doing one's own research is the law of the land, and that wasn't just limited to the stars. It was interesting to hear so many people espouse a passion for decentralized investigation and knowledge, only to identify themselves as heads of their own organizations. Like Chris Dodd, self-proclaimed independent journalist, and probably the most fiercely independent person we interviewed for this episode. Republicans or Democrats. Uh, and so my stuff has been seen all over the nation. Probably for Kenosha, you probably see my protest coverage of cops getting hit with bricks and crazy stuff. That was me who took that video. So uh, I, I've covered, covered, I got like the third most, like one of three people actually interviewed Kyle Rittenhouse. So I've also covered things like ancient aliens. I have Hugh Newman on the show, Ali Marzulli. But basically, you know, after a while covering politics and being independent, you get bored of politics. So you're like, I wonder what this musician is like or this artist. Or, and I guess that's controversial when you just try to bring people together. And a lot of times there's extremists, but I just want to know why they believe what they believe. Yeah, you want to understand the context. And it's not that I'm affiliated with them. I just want to know because I want to bring people together. And you find out that 
there's a lot of a lot of people have things in common, but everyone wants to use labels to make a collectivist ideology when we're all striving to be our own individual, right? I don't even like everyone. Why, why do I have to be like everyone, you know? And it, I get it. I, I research UFO stuff or 9-11 or, or whatever it is, but it's because I'm interested in what the full story is, and they only want you to have one download. It's like artificial intelligence. If you ban 50% of one point of view, how how accurate is AI going to be if it uses all the metadata it farms? It's always going to be ultra-progressive or ultra-Silicon Valley. Or you're not going to have that freedom of thought. It's not going to be a true uh, liberty-minded AI where it can do whatever it wants. In fact, the first time they made AI, it made its own language so we can understand it. Because privacy was the most important thing. And here, what do we have now? We have a Fourth Amendment that's non-existent. They have a Big Brother where they record everything, facial recognition, gate sensors, Stingray technology, download your cell phone conversations. It's crazy. Like many people at the fair, Chris wasn't an absolute believer in aliens. So when it comes to UFOs, I'm, a, I'm kind of a skeptic. I believe in UFOs. My first experience was I was uh, speaking at the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin on giant human skeletons. Have you guys heard of this phenomenon? You guys are from New York. The reason why you guys have the New York Giants is because the Indian effigy mounds were found to have giant human skeletons between 9 and 18 feet tall in them. And it wasn't just one skeleton, it was multiple skeletons. And there's like legitimate uh, college professors. Before Chris continues, we felt that it was important to fact check the things that he was saying. For instance, when he talked about how the New York Giants got their names from nine-foot-tall alien effigies, this is not true. They actually got their names from the tall buildings in New York City. So whether you listen to the things that Chris says or even the things that we say, be sure to take everything with a grain of salt. Now back to Chris. Archaeological society groups where they keep these data and documents in Madison. In Wisconsin, we have it too. New York, you guys have it too. That's like I mentioned. And even Minnesota, they had Vikings. Where do you think the Minnesota Vikings came from? They found effigy mounds made by Vikings. So effigy mounds, which we have in Wisconsin, there was a lot of these giant human skeletons. Well, Chase Kletchka, who is a former master instructor and master trainer of the Department of Defense, was sitting in on my presentation and she came up to me and she says, I, I handle the UFO calls for the government. I'm the master trainer, master instructor from the Department of Defense, and I work with MUFON. So that's how I, and she told me to look into UFOs, and I'm like, you know, tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat, but all of a sudden I started doing some research, and there's definitely something I can't explain. Are there four types of, you know, UFOs? Is there twin flames and galactic federations of light with Captain Ashtar trying to beat you with the hammer of light? I don't know. I don't know all that. Hollow Earth, you know, whatever it is. I'm not quite sure about all that. I try to work with what I know, and all I know is that our ancient books, like the books they don't want you to read, even religious classes, esoteric books of Enoch, they talk about how in heaven or space, Manly P. Hall calls space spiritual realm, but if, if you don't know the top philosopher in the last hundred years, his name's Manly P. Hall, you should look into him. Um, you'll, you'll find out that that tells a story about how well, there's a battle in space, the losing team came here, colonized the planet, and then the winning team that beat its butt came here, created man and put us in charge of it. Hence the stories of Atlantis and the mystery religion and all the really bizarre stuff and occultism that we see. You know, it's all mathematic, it's all uh, symbolism and sacred geometry, everything from the flower of life to uh, the things that you see on TV. It's all there to program you and has meaning. Just like a hexagon or a hexagon, you know, it's a six-pointed star, but it's two triangles. One is the male, one is the female, it's a sex ritual. You know, it's interesting. After the fair, we met briefly to discuss our thoughts on the event in a roundtable format. Join us now for a look into our conversation.
So, Jack, what did you think of the UFO festival? I thought it was great. I always love seeing stormtroopers and other aliens walking on the streets like it's no big deal. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It almost reminded me of the like New York Renaissance Fair, how we have that in the, um, the county every year. Um, I thought one of the most interesting things to me was just the span of different types of people that were there. Um, you had these intensive UFO authors and paranormal researchers. There was a tent with speakers. And then you also just had families out for the day just dressing up in costume, trying to find something fun to do in the local community. Um, how much do you think COVID impacted this event? I think what was interesting was a lot of the types of people that were there seemed to um, not take it very seriously, and that was kind of apparent in the way that the things were being run, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, my gut feeling says that COVID didn't impact the UFO fair hardly at all. Um, lots of people there unmasked and a, a carefree enough attitude that in the last... 18 months feels unfamiliar to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, my gut says that COVID didn't impact attendance at this event at all. That we were covering, I should say. Uh, I think we saw a very specific type of person that we spoke to, um, like conspiracy theorists abound, a lot of different ones. Throughout one conversation, you would have someone go through aliens, Bigfoot, this thing, that thing in the government. Um, I think there was this, this very solid trend of people not trusting um, bigger organizations or not trusting uh, what the government was saying to them or what messaging was being put out. Um, and just this like this very like grassroots type of find your own information, make your own theories type of um, vibe that was going through the entire fair, which was pretty interesting. It's a UFO fair. It's definitely not like a political based event, but you had a lot of people that were very politically minded in the way that they were speaking and the way that they were talking about things that were fanciful as UFOs and Bigfoot and monsters and stuff like that. And I thought that it was interesting. I remember the first person in costume that we interviewed. Mary, I think you were collecting ambience at the time when Jack and I spoke to this woman, um, was not only very quick to to mention that her idea of, of who an American is is the right idea, but also very comfortable to imply that understanding. Um, and in the wake of the last political administration, that's a stressful sentiment to be nice about, uh, for me at least. I, Do you believe in aliens? Um, well, maybe we're all aliens. It's a lot. Okay, so from what we've seen in the fair, there are definitely people of a political leaning that are really hardcore alien enthusiasts. So that being said, I know that so many other people in this country are skeptics. So many people, when you ask them if they believe in aliens, they'll say, well, the world is, well, this universe is too big for us to be the only ones. So I was just wanted to ask what you guys believed, if there are stuff, if there is something out there and there are actually 
these aliens tracking us and gathering data, gathering this data on us for who knows how long, as some as so many of these alien enthusiasts and UFO investigators believe. Um, I mean, I don't think I have a very strong opinion either way about the existence of UFOs and whatnot. Um, I don't know. It just it, if they're there, they are. If they're not, they're not. It doesn't really affect anything that I've, I'm doing or, you know, preoccupied with other problems type of thing. So I don't know. I just I don't really have the time to really sit there and consider and debate it. Like I just, you know, based on odds, I would think there probably is something else out in the universe, whether or not they've ever contacted us or even left their own planet is a whole other story that I can't really have any theories on because I just don't really have any theories on it. I think there's bound to be life somewhere else in the universe, the galaxy, whatever scale you're comfortable talking about it at. But I don't know that that particular drop in the cosmic bucket can have bearing here on this pale blue dot. I feel like we have so much on our hands to deal with when it comes to getting along with each other that while it's fun to speculate that there could be life on another planet, we gotta sort out stuff here on Earth. The Folklore Desk is comprised of me, Gage Mags, Mary Rink, and Jack Huppert. This episode was edited by Jack. This episode of Paltzcast was brought to you by SUNY New Paltz's DMJ 393 podcasting class. Special thanks to Ed and Gina Carroll for their generous support. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every semester.